have you ever sinned? I, I know, I know. Silly question, right? However, if we're going to live a life that truly glorifies God, it is important for us, it is critical that we understand the depths of this issue called sin and how it applies to us. You see, every one of us listening to this podcast not only has sinned, but is a sinner. We battle with the temptation to sin every day of our lives. <laughs> Aren't we starting this episode on an exciting note? Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 62, and in this episode, we begin a two-part podcast on understanding sin and why we sin. So buckle up and hang on, because ready or not, here we go. If you are a born-again believer, a follower of Christ, then you already know that before your salvation, every one of us was a sinner destined for an eternity in the lake of fire, known in the Bible as hell. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. In Psalm 14, verse 3, it says, there is no one who does good, not even one. See, David's declaring in this verse that there is not one of us, not, not a single individual walking planet Earth or whoever who has ever walked this planet. Not one of us is capable of producing that which is excellent in God's eyes completely on our own. Every single time, left to ourselves, we will sin. Every time, all the time. Paul declares in Romans 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Scripture is clear that the wages, the paycheck, if you will, the price that you are being paid for your sin is death, an eternal separation from God, Romans 6, 23. Watch this now. To know true victory in your life, to live a godly life that truly glorifies your Heavenly Father in everything you think, say, and do, you must begin with the acknowledgement that outside of a personal relationship with Christ, your natural tendency is to sin. Okay, now I, I keep throwing out this word sin, but what is it? I mean, if we're going to effectively pursue godliness— and I think we need to gain a proper understanding of sin, the sin that separates us from God. And to do that, what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to focus our thoughts around four specific questions. So here's question number one. It's very simple. It's simply, it's this, what is sin? You see, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, we read that all wrongdoing is sin. <laughs> You can't get a better definition than that one coming straight out of Scripture. Now, I want you to think about that definition as I repeat it. All wrongdoing is sin. Okay, but there's so many different standards today of what's right and what's wrong. What you think is right, another person may say is wrong. What one person says wrong, another person may say is right. If all wrongdoing is sin, then we really need to ask the question, wrongdoing according to whom? I mean, certainly there must be one ultimate standard that rises head and shoulders above all the rest, right? 
when the whole grand scheme of things. Listen now. It's more important that you and I know what God says sin is than what you and I think it might be. Truth be told, in the end, I'm not going to stand before your judgment seat. You're not going to stand before mine. Second Corinthians 5.10 tells us that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There's a day coming, and it's coming soon, when you and I will stand before the Almighty Creator of the universe, before the most holy, most righteous, most pure, and sovereign God. And we're going to have to answer to Him for all of our wrongdoings, as well as our right doings. So what matters then, watch this now, watch this, what truly matters is God's definition of what's right and what's wrong, and our willful obedience or disobedience to it. Now, in both the Hebrew and Greek languages, which are the languages in which the Old Testament and New Testament were written in, the word sin means a failure to hit the mark because of disobedience. Okay, great. But what mark do we fail to hit? Here's the answer. We fail time and time and time again to keep God's standards of perfection. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, we read, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4. Now, I want you to focus your attention for just a moment on that word transgress. You see, a transgression is a breaking or a violation of an established law. Transgressing the law is doing the opposite of what's required of you. In short, it's disobedience. It's choosing to not do what you've been told to do, or it's choosing to do what you've been told not to do. All sin is wrongdoing according to God, because sin is breaking God's standards, God's principles, God's law found in God's word. It's going against the, the standards that God has given to us within the scriptures. It's sin, it's wrongdoing, it's choosing to not obey God's express commands. Simply put, when you violate the principles and the standards and the commands of God's word, you are guilty of sin. So hands up, how many of you are guilty of breaking God's law? You better be putting your hand up right now, or else you're breaking it because you're telling a lie. In 1 John 17, verse 17, Jesus himself declares that God's word is absolute truth. Therefore, when you do anything against, anything in opposition to God's truth, you're transgressing his law, and therefore you are sinning. An understanding of what God says sin is will help us understand what goes on in our minds when we sin. You see, sin is calling your own shots. Sin is living for King me. Sin is going along through life as if there was no law other than your own that requires your obedience. Sin is reading God's standards. It's, it's understanding the principles that are found in God's word and then choosing, choosing not to do what God says. Sin 
is in the nature of the heart. That's why God says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It does not matter. Watch this now. It does not matter how good you may be. Trip up in just one point, no matter how small the offense, and you are guilty of breaking all of God's law. But hey, don't take my word for it. Open your Bibles and read James chapter 2, verse 10. It's right there in Scripture. I want you to ask yourself this question. What is preventing me from living a consistent godly life? The answer, sin. In order to learn how to live a life that glorifies God, my friend, we must first learn what keeps us from accomplishing that task and what we need to do about it. We cannot, we cannot understand the solution to the problem unless and until we first understand the problem itself. That's the nature of this week's episode and next week's episode as we dive into understanding sin. The whole premise of this Point of Purity podcast, starting with episode one, going all the way through to this episode, the the premise of every podcast, every episode, the whole point is this, to glorify God in our everyday living. We must first glorify Him in our every moment thinking. We will never be able to understand God's remedy for our thinking process if we don't understand the reason why we struggle so much with our thoughts. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all men because all have sinned. You see, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, you and I were there. Oh, we weren't physically there, but we, through Adam's sin, inherited that original sin nature. That's why it's easier for you and I to do wrong than it is to do right. It's, it's within our human nature. You see, before becoming a Christian, your natural tendencies were to think selfish, sinful, king-me thoughts, which always led to selfish, sinful, king-me behavior. You know, You look around you in the world today, and the world at large rejects the concept of sin. Watch this now. Because they reject sin, they have no true understanding as to why they are the way they are and why they do the things they do. They don't understand sin, so their choices sometimes, their behavior is confusing. Everything, listen, everything today is considered to be a lifestyle choice. Hardly anything is considered to be sin anymore. So is it any wonder that you and I struggle so much with living godly lives when the world's philosophy, the wickedness of the world around us is permeating almost everything we see and hear, and therefore influencing how, what we think and, and how we think and, and what we do? Well, the second question we must consider is this. When I do sin... Where does my sin, my wrongdoing, come from? Now, I can remember, some of you who are old enough may remember right along with me, many years ago there was a famous actor that coined the phrase, the devil made me do it. Now it was meant to be funny and cute, and it certainly would elicit laughter, or at least canned laughter on the show. 
But it truly expresses, I believe it truly expresses the mindset that so many people have. The devil made me do it. Man refuses to take responsibility for his sin. It's far easier to blame someone or something else for our wrongdoing. Where does sin come from? Does the devil make us sin? The answer, no. Okay, then does God make us sin? (laughs) Definitely not. You see, God is a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he, Deuteronomy 32.4. Genesis 18.25 says that God, the righteous judge of all the earth, does what is right. Job cries out in Job 34, verse 10, Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. And in James 1.13, we see that God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So if sin doesn't come from the devil, and it doesn't come from God, where does it come from? Well, Scripture answers that question for us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. There God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. God also said, each of you is following the stubbornness of his evil heart instead of obeying me, Jeremiah sixteen twelve. In other words, at the very core of our being is evil and deceit. Without Christ, it is part of who we are. Sin comes from within our own being. We are born sinners. It's part of our human nature. King David declared in Psalm 51, verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In Genesis 8, 21, God himself declares that every inclination of man's heart is evil from his childhood. You see, my friend, it's part of our natural makeup to sin. Jesus said that it is from within, out of men's hearts, that come evil thoughts, Mark 7, 21. Well, the third question we need to consider is this, who sins? Now, the answer should be fairly obvious, because we know that every one of us sins. In fact, if someone says, well, I don't sin, God says, you're a liar, 1 John 1, 10. But the question and the answer are still worth looking at in light of God's word. You see, Galatians 3.22 tells us that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20, we read, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. You're probably familiar with Romans 3.23 where the Apostle Paul says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you're a regular follower of our podcast, then you know that my definition of the word all. All means all, and that's all all means. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. So no, the devil did not make any of us do it. It's within our human nature to sin. Now you may think, I'm doing okay. You may be convinced, well, I'm not as bad as, and you can think of someone else, at least I'm not doing, and you can name something that someone else is doing that that, that seems more wicked than you. The Bible clearly teaches that there is no one who does not sin. 1 Kings 8.46 and 2 Chronicles 6.36. 
God's word, asks the question in Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say, I've kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? The answer, no one. Isaiah 64, verse 6, declares that even the greatest, most holy thing that you may do in life is still like a filthy rag before a righteous and holy and pure God. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God, Romans 3, 10 and 11. So who sins? Oh, raise your hand high, my friend, right along with me, because we all sin. So here's our fourth question to consider. Why do we give in to sin? The answer can be found in Hebrews eleven twenty-five, where we read that sin has its pleasures for a season. You see, we give in to sin simply because we enjoy it. I mean, let's face it, sin is pleasurable, as well as easy, effortless, even comfortable. For example, it can feel good to explode in anger. Two people have an adulterous relationship. Why? Because it feels good. A person may gossip or backbite. Why? To feel better about themselves. Sin has its pleasure. I think we need to pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that sin is pleasurable only for a season. Let's key in on that word season for just a moment because, you see, a season definitely refers to a period of time. Well, that explosion of anger may have felt good at the moment, but the feeling of satisfaction is short-lived when you compare it to the devastation that's left in its wake. That moment of adultery certainly has physical elation. It feels good, but it fades quickly, leaving long-lasting, painful, damaging ramifications in its wake. You know, a season of pleasure can also indicate something else. I had the privilege of growing up in northern Indiana. In fact, I'm still living there. And I've become quite familiar with the definition of season here in this part of the world. We experience all four of the seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. We experience all four of them in very succinct ways. In fact, as I'm recording this podcast, we're expecting a major snowstorm to hit within the next 24 hours. Could get upwards of 24 inches of snow. (laughs) Crazy. Anyway, you don't have to live here long in northern Indiana before you realize there's another type of season that we see all around us. It's called corn. You say corn's not a season. Just just listen, track with me for just a moment. See, it's actually kind of exciting to watch the farmers in the springtime plow their fields, churning up all that fresh, dark soil, and then they plant the seed. And as the corn season progresses through the warm summer months, you're able to, to literally watch the corn grow. Now, I've been told, I've never experienced this, but I've been told that even on a quiet summer's eve, if you listen closely enough, you can actually hear the corn grow. What I've observed and learned is this. Every year, the corn has a time of beginning and a time of harvest. It's called a season. God says that sin has its pleasure for a season. Sin will grow, 
And, and as it's growing, it can be quite pleasurable. But it lasts for only a season, for only a short period of time. And at the end, watch this now, listen closely to me. At the end, there will be a harvest. James chapter 1, verse 15 says that sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Job chapter 4, verse 8, it tells us that those who plow evil and those who sow trouble will reap it. In Proverbs 22, verse 8, we read that he who sows wickedness reaps trouble. You may be familiar with the words of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap life everlasting. What you sow is what you'll reap. Choose to sin, and you will reap the effects. Choose to walk in the Spirit, and you will reap the rewards. Well, in next week's podcast, we're going to continue this deep dive into what is sin and why do I sin. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, the Apostle Paul pens these words, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, that's what I keep on doing. Can you relate? Well, I want to encourage you to make sure you tune in next week as we continue this study. Listen, I want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If this has ministered to you, if this has blessed you, challenged you, or encouraged you, I'd like to ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, would you please let your friends know about this podcast? Would you tell them to download and and, and begin to listen to the Point of Purity podcast? You see, when you do that, when you invite others and encourage others to listen, you're helping us help men and women across the globe win their war for sexual purity. You're helping us help them learn from God's word, from scripture, how to live in victory and freedom. We are a not-for-profit ministry, which means (laughs) we can't afford a marketing budget. So as a result, the only way people are going to know about this Point of Purity podcast, the only way this podcast is going to, to grow in its popularity is if our listeners, if you make the time and effort to tell others about it and invite them to listen. So would you please partner with us by helping us spread the news of this podcast? And then second, And this is so important. Would you please take a few moments right now and go to your favorite podcast player and rate our program. Rate this episode. Say, well, why do I need to do that? You see, every time you do, every time you give a rating, that rating lets the the host of the the podcast, the, the podcast player, it lets them know that this podcast is important. It's valuable. People are listening to it. People are appreciating it. People are liking it. And if you don't rate the program, they're not going to know. And that that won't help us with the rankings. So it's important. It's valuable. Your rating helps us get this program and this ministry into the ears and hearts of people all across the globe. And third, if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, oh, let me encourage you to do so today. We've got so many more podcast, so many more episodes coming up with so much truth from God's word. You don't want to miss a single one. So until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking.